This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Jeremy Bierek. He is the Vice President of Customer Enablement at EagleView. Jeremy, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, so one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you? All right, I'm going to answer this in two different ways because I was, I was, you know, I always dive right in the personal one first, but I'll go with professional and I'll, then I'll go into personal. You know, professionally, I've been doing customer service and, and support for, for quite a while. But if you, you know, unless you really dig into my background, my background and my roots are really in supply chain and operations. Um, it's really served me well because, um, you know, no matter what you're doing and whatever job you have, the operational knowledge I've had has been invaluable to to any role I've had, you know, since then. So um, that's something that that personally, again, my, my my roots are operations and supply chain, which is, you know, just something I've always valued. Personally, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the outdoors. My family is really active. We love to hike, ski, snowboard, um, just do anything we can outside when it's, you know, not raining here in, in the Seattle area. We're also very passionate about baseball. I grew up playing it. I've coached all my sons in baseball. And they've all played either travel and or high school baseball. So I spent a lot of time at the baseball park. And, and, you know, as a resident of the state of Washington, I'm also hoping that the Mariners at some point may actually get to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a wish for every Major League Baseball fan out there, regardless if it's the Mariners or not, right? True. You know, one question I had for you was... You know, when it comes to, you just mentioned you, you've been in customer service for, what, 20 years? Is that right? Give or take, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that nothing has changed since you've started uh, <laughs> and or everything has changed. So that's my question, right, is is when it comes to customer service, what, how has that evolved since you first started f- step foot in customer service? Well, it's funny. I, I, liked, I like the word, use of the word evolved, because um, the, the more things have changed, the more they stay, they have stayed the same, really. You know, my experience has been while the options that we have to engage customers, you know, they, they've grown, they've, they've changed, they've evolved. But few have been completely replaced, which is it's a big challenge, right? There's still a broad spectrum of, of customers that want a channel of choice. And whether it be the, the oldest channel you've ever had, whether they want to write you a letter or whether they want to deal with you in an SMS text or social, you know, regardless, they, they, they want all the options available depending on just what they feel, what they want that day. So while we still get all of these new options that are real time, they're trendy, they're keeping up with technology, we still have to figure out how to maintain all of those different options that customers want. Um, one thing I have definitely learned in, in my career is that I, I really wish that I could start a company from the ground up and not have any old channels or any pre-existing channels in place and really just start that engagement with the customer using what is common today. Uh, re, you know, starting out with chat and SMS and social and really staying away from some of those other channels that, that can just sometimes be not the best experience, right? And really leveraging, you know, voice where it's absolutely necessary. And it can turn in more of a, a kind of an upgrade of support than anything else in the standard that everybody you know just expects to be there at any given time. 
again, those changes, we've seen just a, a number of different options of how customers want to reach out to us, but we haven't been able to really abandon any of the old ones that have been out there. Um, so that's definitely what I've seen changing. And I think, you know, maybe eventually as demographics shift and change, um, we'll be able to start really influencing customer behavior and start steering them, you know, to those more popular and common technology solutions and then having them, you know, let go of the other things. Um, you know, we can we can get away from the horse and buggy in, in the customer service realm and really start dealing with things that are, are much, again, more available and frankly, a better customer experience than some of the old channels are. Yeah. Do you want the Model T or do you want the Ferrari? That That is a great example. I think people say, you know, today I, I just want to go for a slow cruise in a Model T and tomorrow I want to zoom around in a Ferrari. So you have to be ready to get both. And it may be in the exact same day. That, and so yeah, how do you meet absolutely. them on the channel of their choice, right? And, and reduce a lot of that effort and still create that same experience across all channels. And that's, it's tough sometimes when you do have that Model T where the expectations are potentially different on, on email than they would be if it's a, a chat or, or a text. Yep, absolutely. And, and like I said, I, I'd, I'd like to still have, you know, that, that one-to-one connection with a voice if, if you need it, um, but make it more of a, it's a, it's a path of last resort if you really have to do that. You know, if you, if you really sense from the customer that they want to talk or they're struggling on how to communicate with you through, you know, one of the other channels that's still there. But it, it is, you know, one of the most challenging and expensive channels to staff and, and make sure when you do get that call, it's a great customer experience. Yeah, by far voice is the most expensive channel uh, per interaction. And, you know, I think that yeah. plays into my next question, which is, when it comes to that interaction, I mean, there's there's a ton of things that we can talk about when it comes to self-service and, and AI, which we'll get to. But what role does that human experience play in customer service? Well, it's funny because when you, when you just said that question, I, I, I initially went to um, what role does experience play in customer service? I'm like, it, it plays a heavy role, right? <laughs> Having tenured resources that, that know everything about your product, that know your customers, it's incredibly valuable. But you know, think about it with with the human experience overall, it, it goes both directions. It's the experience of, you know, the employees and the humans you have supporting your company, your enterprise, and the experience of the customer that they're dealing with every day. You know, at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I love to just go sit down with my team, you know, while they're doing their job every day and just to listen in, see how they're doing their job and what frustrates them, what makes them happy. And generally speaking, they're all there because they, they have some desire as a human to help. They, they want to solve problems. They want to be able to, when that customer calls or texts or chats with them or reaches out to them on social, they want to be able to respond in a way that satisfies that customer so they can feel like they've accomplished something. And the most frustrating thing is, is not only having a customer that isn't satisfied, but having an employee that's not satisfied because they didn't actually solve the problem for the customer. Um, so human experience is critical in, in, in both those spaces. And, you know, you, you, you talk about how, an employee and a person dealing with a customer, they, they will mirror their happiness, um, the ease of their job to the customer. So the happier you have your, your representatives being, the happier the experience the customer will have. So like I said, humanist experience, at the end of the day, it's, it's the, the start and end of everything that we're doing in the customer service world. So what it's all about. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that 100%. And I, my listeners are probably going to get sick of me by saying this, but uh, my analogy is as a married guy, if mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And the same <laughs> is true with your employees, right? Your employees will have a direct yeah. reflection of how they are treated and 
and what tools and, and resources they are provided to create the best experience internally so they can create that best experience externally. Yeah, I agree. And it's making sure that, you know, you have a, an open line of, of communication interaction with your team so you can understand, you know, what do you need to do to make it better? You know, what are those things that, again, I, I, I tell my, my team every day, it's like at the end of the day, you know, think about your day and think about those moments where you were frustrated and you felt like you just couldn't do the right thing, either for the customer or, you know, frankly, just finding the right information or, or the right process or tools. Um, and just write that down. And then every day, send that to me. And now those are the things we're going to go tackle to make sure that your job's better every day. Not, not only do we go out and make things better, but, you know, having each individual know that they can make a difference and they can provide that feedback and they're being heard and something's going to be done about it. I mean, you really have to win the hearts and the minds of, of the folks that are on your team and in your organization. And, you know, customer service is a thankless job. You know, it's a lot of hard work. And anybody that doesn't think that or believe that just needs to sit in a contact center for a day and, and you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's definitely a thankless job. There's a guy that I interviewed, Jesse Cole. He runs the semi-pro baseball team, the Savannah Bananas. And it was a, a, another story on in and of its own. But at the same time, one <laughs> of the big things that you just said was taking the feedback of your employees. And some, what he did is he's like, you give me the craziest things that you want to give me on ways that we can improve or create a better experience for our fans. And we will find a way to hear you out first of all and implement some of them because the more that we fail the more that we're going to succeed and um it sounds like you're exactly there yeah and i'm going to add one one more thing on this uh just a, a crazy story that i that i heard um at a, at a i was at a seminar for you know customer service we had a bunch of different uh, peers and vendors there and there was a company i'm not going to name names i'm not going to name drop another company but um it was a financial institution that once a year they actually had a, a bucket of funds that they held in reserve for customer rewards. And what they would do is that they would allow their reps. They ended every conversation. Is there anything else I can do for you today? And, and you know, you and I, we've, we've talked to people. It's like, hey, you know, no, we're good. Thank you. You solved my problem. We're all good. But there are customers that will respond and be like, wow, you know, I, I really wish I could, you know, take that trip to go see my daughter at her, at her wedding. I just, you know, can't afford to go and I, I can't do that they allow the reps to capture those answers and then actually they get together as a team and figure out which one of those things or many of those things that they'll go out and do for the customer. And they'll actually go out and surprise customers. I mean, they've mm -hmm. bought houses, cars, trips. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what they would do. And it, it was such a, an, a uniting event for not only the employees to feel that empowered to make a difference in somebody's life, but also the customers. I mean, who's, who's not going to come back and share that story with a hundred people. If you call to, you know, have your address updated in your account and they ask, you know, is there anything else I can do? And, and you said some crazy thing and they came and did it for you. Right. That's a customer for life. It's a customer for life, but you're now feeling known and valued. And I guess the moral of the story for, for me is anytime somebody says, is there anything I can help you with? Uh, you tell them exactly what you can help them with because there might be a small chance that they can really help you. Yeah, I'd, I'd love if every customer interaction was just you tell me exactly what you want me to do and I'll do it. Yeah, like if that if that was every customer interaction, you know, everybody would be happy in this world. I would 100 percent agree. So we talked about the employee experience, and I think that is definitely important. We need to focus there. But let's go to the complete opposite side. Uh, let's talk about AI for a minute. So what does AI mean to you? 
Um, well, we all know the you know the actual definition of what those two that two letter acronym stands for, um, you know, in artificial intelligence. But um, you know, I, I really think it's more of like an assisted or added intelligence versus artificial. Um, I think there's there's still a significant lift required to to really make AI just be AI and run by itself and be perfect. Um, I, I don't think we're quite there yet in the maturity um, of the technology and, and or frankly maturity of of our processes to get there. But I think there's a huge benefit where you can leverage AI to really support the tools, processes, and people you have today. You know, there's some some low-hanging fruit items you can really automate, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that when, you know, a customer's contacting us to solve to have a problem solved, that we are enabling our resources to basically be as quick and accurate and respond with as high quality as they can to customers and have it be consistent. Um, the thing that excites me a lot about AI is really putting that consistency within your process. Um, it's difficult, it's expensive, it's time-consuming to, to train resources. Um, depending on the industry you're in and, and, and a couple of the roles I've been in, anywhere from you know four to six weeks to four to six months, depending on how technical. I have some technical resources that it does take several months to really get up to the point where you feel and they feel that they are fully capable of, of solving any problem with a customer. Versus having the tools and the processes where you really just need to be knowledgeable of the customer of the product. But for getting questions answered, if you have this added intelligence or artificial support that can help walk you through it, you can understand that context there that, you know, sometimes only you can get by what you're hearing from the customer and how they're explaining a problem versus having, you know, some AI just make a judgment and only have one direction it can go. You know, there's still, still this human component out there that I think is critical, you know, in that connection. We just talked, you know, at length about that human experience and human connection. Um, but I think that that AI can really be that that added, you know, call it the, you know, the the bionic man, so to speak, or bionic person, the bionic representative that can be supported with this, you know, other piece of, of technology that can really help them be the best person and the best representative that they can be. You know, you want you really, I think, want AI to have that customer experience be your best person on their best day solving the problem in the best way. Yeah. You talked about the bionic man. I call, I call that the phone booth moment, right? Where you run into the phone booth, you come out, come out a superhero. And yep. I think that is exactly what AI does is when they do interact with your most important or most, most important and most expensive resource, which are your humans, um, how do you give them that context? How do you give them the ability to uh, speak with intelligence as if they've been there for 15, 20 years, let alone six months? And how do you get them up to speed with that, with the training? Because sometimes it does take a, a decent amount, depending on the on the training or the industry, to get them up to speed. But is there anything else that you would say to create that 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 coexistence uh, between the human and the, and the uh, artificial intelligence. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. 
From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Well, I think it's twofold. I think, you know, number one, you have to make sure that, you know, as you're thinking about, and, and I think this is a, a, a real paradigm shift within our functions now is, you know, when we were creating processes and tools and, you know, knowledge bases and, and help aids and all those things that we needed for, you know, the people within our organization to be successful, you know, we weren't really thinking about that in any kind of, you know, artificial intelligence context at all, right? Now, when you're thinking about AI, it's, you know, am I doing things in a way that is, uh, it's repeatable, it's documented, it's uh, something that we can feed into some type of AI environment? Um, are we consistent about how we handle it? Do we have, you know, opportunities to go look at how we solve problems and making sure that it's not uh, the best experience isn't the one where somebody goes off course and kind of does their own thing. It's, it's really understanding, you know, again, how we best correlate that process and data that we have today. Uh, for really good service and establish in a way that we can really use it in an AI type environment. Um, I, I think that's a coexistence. It's not only how does the AI help us, it's how do we help the AI. Um, and I, th- I think that's something that's that's really, you know, lost on people that are really new to the AI topic is that, you know, at first blush, it's uh, AI is going to solve every problem and we don't have to do anything. But, you know, similar to um, you know, I'm a parent. I have children. I've raised them. I, th- th- there's a couple that are now actually full-fledged, successful adults. Um, it takes time, um, and and it takes a lot of you know learning, and you make some mistakes, and then you f- you learn from that, and you do it differently the next time. Um, AI is no different. You know, you have to really give the the right information to the AI. There's there's training involved. There's you know really paying attention and supporting it, and, and making sure that nothing is is going awry at any given time. Um, so the coexistence has to be has to be bi-directional, right? Is that the, the AI is going to be as good as we want it to be and as good as the data, the information, the process that we feed to it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to bring you on a roadshow to just uh, talk about that last five minutes that we did because that, uh, that was impactful. And I think more than just the people <laughs> that are listening to the podcast need to hear it. So uh, well said on that. You know, I think you just talked about how how it's done and how it should be done from an AI human being perspective. But, you know, there's also these bad, awful, horrible, horrendous, um, not using all these, all these crazy ways that people use AI. And sometimes it's, Oh yeah, we do AI. And maybe it's because that they are measured on it and they're not necessarily measured on the outcome, but, but on the task, but in what ways are companies using AI at the wrong time or in the wrong way? Um, you know, I, I don't want to be critical of anybody trying to use AI because um, they're, they're obviously doing it for a reason. So so I'll, I'll start there and, and caveat everything else I say from this point forward with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the last two years in particular have been incredibly challenging, right? The impacts of, COVID, the, you know, being short on resources. You know, I, I've had some really horrible experiences with customer service over the last couple of years where, you know, just calling to get a simple problem solved over the phone was like, you know, you have a two hour wait time. Or they won't even take any calls because their queues are already so full that they can't even, you know, give you a callback. Um, they're so busy. Um, so I think there was a lot of really reactionary implementation of AI over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, if, if you haven't gotten the theme of, of how I feel about AI, right, it's, it's not something that you just turn on like a light switch. It's something that takes time. 
is something that takes investment of, of human resources to get the AI to the right place um, and really understanding what it can and should help you with. And those things that, you know, you probably shouldn't try it um, because you know that your customers really want to speak to someone about a problem or, you know, you know, it's going to be solved just fine and probably in a better way in chat. Um, so, so, so again, I, I think that you really have to consider you know, the reasoning behind why you're implementing the AI, the AI and whether or not you're ready for it as an organization. Um, you know, I, th- I think you have to prepare yourself for it. You have to understand what you need. You know, do you have your house in order uh, to be successful with AI? Um, I think any company that has, you know, frankly, just a really poor performing customer service function, it can't just be solved by bringing in artificial intelligence. Um, you're going to have to do a lot of the work around understanding what does good look like and how do we want the AI to support our business, which is, are all things that you should have been doing up to that point, right? Um, you know, I hearken back to my earlier question, you know, if I was starting out, you know, Greenfield, and you could develop your support with AI as your primary delivery tool or your, your primary solution, that's one thing. Um, and, and I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Um, it's probably out there. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. Um, but I think, you know, if you start out with AI as your solution and you develop for it, um, I think you could be wildly successful. Um, I think most of us are in a situation where that's not the case. We have history. We have channels. Um, we have expectations of customers that we have to make sure we're upholding and that we're executing and representing our brand in the way we want to be represented with something that we have mostly control over, but maybe not complete control over. And I've, you know, I, I've seen a couple of really bad examples where AI has picked up like the worst of a situation. And, you know, you've seen AIs like swearing at people, on, you know, on, in an automated voice command. And it's, you know, things, things can happen that way. So, you know, I, th- I think you have to tread carefully, um, pick those things where you know it can work and work very, very well. And then invest the time where you need to make sure it's done exactly the way it should be so you don't lose customers um, and you don't lose revenue. Yeah, if something's really bad, people want to talk to a human. And if people would just want self-service and you want some automated, you know, the goal is to automate some of those routine mundane tasks. But at the same time you know, maybe that we talked about that just a little bit bit ago, like, how do you provide that next best action for that, for that, the human, uh, so they're, they're being as efficient as possible. And there's so many ways to, to make that happen. And I want to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, you, we haven't really talked, you kind of touched on, on your, your background and around, uh, the data, but what does that, how important is data to you? Um, I, I mean, we live and die by data every day. I, I, you know, data has become such a, a big word now and, and data is everywhere, right? Data, data is everywhere. It's everything. It's, it's why everything is done is to get a data point. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, Alexa analyzing everything that we say to, to Alexa and, and, and other, you know, devices of the sort. Um, but I mean, if you go back through, you know, everything we've just talked about, I mean, I probably mentioned the word data a dozen times, if not more already. Um, the, the data, as long as you're, you're looking at it in a way, um, that makes sense and you're utilizing it for good and not evil, so to speak, um, it can be an incredibly powerful tool. 
Um, you know, the one thing that, you know, I've said in, in every role I've had, particularly within customer service, is that I want to figure out how to make our jobs unnecessary. Um, and data is a key to that. It's it's why are people calling us? Why did why did somebody email us? Why did somebody chat to us? Why did somebody drop something in social? Right. It's it's understanding the why behind that and, and, and backing up from that. You can you can handle a thousand contacts in an hour perfectly. But you're not solving a problem necessarily. Um, you have to figure out why you got those thousand contacts. And then how do you work that information back through your team, back through the entire enterprise to figure out is the process issue, is it a product issue, is it a marketing issue, is it a sales issue? You know, why is this happening and how do we eliminate the need for that to ever happen again? Um, and data is the key to that. Um, and I'll say that I, I've, I've, started roles and, you know, taking over teams where I've, I've stepped in the situation and, you know, I get this, Hey, we're handling all these contacts. Um, we're doing it this amount of time. Um, everything's great. And it's like, well, why are we getting the contacts? And I get this like blank look and, and that, that scares me terribly. Um, so that's always, you know, the first place I start is, is really understanding, you know, what are we dealing with? You know, why do we have these contacts? Um, and, and really making sure that we take the, the time and the resources that we have within a customer service function, not only to focus on solving the customer's problems, but again, figuring out how we eliminate them in the first place. Um, so the data is, data is a key to all that. Yeah, you need to reverse engineer it and find out what the root cause is or else you're going to continue to get those interactions and it's only going to continue to exacerbate that issue if you're not actually addressing the issue. And I think... The other thing is when it comes to the data, you could put you could put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And, yeah. and what I mean by that is like you can pretend that the data is going to tell a different story. But if you're not honest with with the data and you, you say, oh, it's it, this is great. And you're just trying to hit your quota. or You're trying to hit your metric. It doesn't solve any problem. And it doesn't it's not what's right for the business. And it's not right. Right. What's right for the employee. It's not what's right for the customer. And so how do you continue to lean on those i guess my question for you on that is what information and you don't have to go into detail but how should contact centers be pushing information back to the business and you kind of touched on a little bit around uh which department and is it and whose whose issue is it and how do we solve that there but how else do we push information back to the business from the data perspective inside the contact center yeah, it's funny. It's a great question. Um, I, I do it in a couple different ways myself, and I, I'm sure everybody does it differently. Um, I always make sure that, number one, I have a one-on-one a, a -one relationship with my peers across all the other functions within my, organization, within my broader enterprise, right? Um, I, I never operate in a vacuum. I always make sure that, you know, when I'm working with either product operations, marketing, sales, um, that I have a regular touch base with them to literally go over, you know, here's what's going on from the customer standpoint. You know, here's the type of contacts we're getting. By the way, let me go into my heat map of all the contact reasons we have. And oh, by the way, if we have a bunch of people asking for order status, why are they calling us to ask for order status? Shouldn't there be a way that either we're proactively notifying a customer of the order status or there's an easy way for them to go and uh, electronically request that either through our app that they ordered it in or through some you know email acknowledgement that goes out each step of the way? So, so I, I make sure, number one, that I have those one-on-one -on -one relationships. And secondarily, I always like to set up like a, a QBR-type environment where you – know, and, and I've had – you know, I've leveraged BPOs before, and we do that consistently with them. We have, a, you know, an MBR and a QBR all the time, so we understand how we're doing, how we're working together, and what our performance looks like. 
that same philosophy applies incredibly well internally. It's meeting with all those functions and going, okay, here's not only here's what we're doing, what we're seeing, you know, from a customer standpoint, but hey, product, tell me what you're doing. What does the roadmap look like? Are you solving these problems already? You know, what what, what do we need to be ready for? Um, and then understanding for marketing sales, how they're communicating these things, when they're communicating them, what the communications look like. Um, so it, it's just making sure there are no surprises um, and you can't over communicate, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, so it's making sure you're driving that regular cadence, the regular interactions. And then again, everything has to be backed up when you're going to go do anything and invest any money in changing anything, um, whether it be within my function or any function within the enterprise as to why we're doing it. And that's where we cycle right back to that data point, right? And we say, well, if we solve this problem, we will eliminate this many contacts from our customers. And by the way, we're probably going to increase NPS and CSAT with our customers, which in turn, it's going to reduce churn. It's going to increase revenue, right? At the end of the day, we want to make sure that our customers want to do business with us and want to do more business with us after they've you know, transacted with us once they want to do the second time and the third. Um, so it's making sure that we're feeding that back in. But again, I, I, I think it's really driving that connection and making sure it exists and having those touch points. Um, if you're not communicating, you're never going to solve any problems. Yeah, right there. You you just said it. If you're not going to communicate, you're not going to solve any problems. If you have one-to-one communication consistently, either MBRs or QBRs with your peers, you're building trust internally and you're having transparent conversations about uh, about the data that you have to create a better experience internally and externally. Like we, it, this is the whole, the conversation we continue to have, but what I think organizations fail to do, and it sounds like you guys are, are doing a great job and obviously nobody's perfect, but is having those consistent communications, those touch bases, um, even understanding from a peer to peer perspective, what they're measured on. What's your guys' ultimate goal in 2022 and 2023. And let's align on that. And I'll let you know, what what my my ultimate goal is and what the what the organization's ultimate goal is and let me help you achieve yours with with the right information and so we can alleviate some of these pain points yeah and i think you know the the other thing that i always want to make sure that that i i I, you know i I really exemplify with my function is that you know customer services we're a cost center i always try to figure out how to make us into a value creation center um, the only way I'm going to do that, again, is driving that back through the enterprise and figuring out how we do things better and differently. Um, so that that is that is that is the one thing I always want to make sure we're doing. And, and that's maybe a little selfish because I want to make sure that, again, we're part of the, the bigger story of driving that top line revenue for the company. Um, but the data is there. The value is there. It, it's so much more than just support. It's it's that insight. It's that customer voice. Right. Of what do we need to do better um, to be a better you know provider to our customers? Yeah, the contact center is the voice of the customer. It, it all depends on what you do with that voice back internally to the organization to continue to have that voice in the customer. Uh, I could talk about contact centers for the next uh, three hours, and and you'd be like, "Well, I'm late for dinner and my and my basketball or my baseball game." Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I need to wrap it up. Uh, I know I got two questions to ask every single guest, Jeremy, and the, and the first one is. What book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? So I'll pause there. You know, it's funny. The, the answer I'm going to give are one and the same uh, because the person is the person that wrote the book uh, for the book that I'm going to talk about. You know, I, I've read, I, I have a bookshelf full of different, you know, actual books. And I think I saw some of my textbooks from my undergrad and, and grad school and whatever else. But, you know, I always want, want to try to keep current and understand, particularly as being a leader, because that, that that's the other big part of being a 
you know, leader of a customer service center is that there is so much more to it than just the metrics and everything else. I mean, there, there, it is, it is an organization and a function where you have to have great connectivity with your team. Um, they have to feel heard. They have to feel supported. Um, they have to understand, like I said, the, the stresses that they go through every day. There is a book that I read by uh, Max Yoder. He is the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Lessonly. And he wrote a book. Um, I actually have it with me right here. It's actually called Do Better Work, um, which it, it, it's, it's nice. It's a thin book, so it's, a, it's an easy read. But it really emphasized and I think reinforced a lot of the values that I hold as a leader, um, particularly in, in the job of being a, a, you know, a customer service center leader um, and being transparent, uh, being vulnerable with your team and really making sure that, you know, you're sharing early and often. Um, you're being supportive. You're spending time with the team. You're staying connected and just really understanding, like I said, what what happens every day. Um, you have to be a connected leader. You have to be seen and, and felt by your team. Um, but again, that uh, Max is a is a is a great guy. He's a, he's a fun discussion, ball of energy. Um, I've I've met him a couple times, and it's funny. He, I, I just saw him at the first live face to face conference I'd been to in about eighteen months. Um, it was in September of last year uh, down in Arizona, and uh, we had met before, and he had he had done um, more of more of a discussion about his company than than it was his book. And he just did this small roundtable session just to talk about the book and the concepts within it. And um, we met later, you know, one on one and talked about it. But just a really, really enlightening person, um, like I said, ton of energy and, and kind of reinvigorated me a bit. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and, and to see, you know, somebody coming in with a fresh perspective, but yet still have a, such a very similar set of values. Um, just made me feel really good. And it's great to talk to him and wish him nothing but the best and success in the future. I love that. Very cool. I'll have to, I, I know of Lesson Lee, but I'll have to have to look him up. Um, so the second question I have for you is if you could leave a note to every yeah, single customer. I'll, I'll have to reach out to Max and let him know that I name dropped him today. So <laughs> please do, please do. Uh, but if you could leave a note to every single customer service rep and it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? Um, <laughs> it's funny because my knee jerk reaction would be, uh, I feel your pain. And like I said, I, I've, I've made you know, comments to that point. It's really, again, understanding what people go through every day to do their job and uh, that they're feeling heard. One of, my, one of my favorite quotes I share with my team is that I can only solve the problems I'm aware of. Mm. Um, so making sure that we communicate and we talk to each other, that's the only way I can help. Um, so that, 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 would, that would kind of be the – actually, I'd, pr- I'd probably boil it down to that one statement is that you know, I can only solve the problems that I'm aware of. Please – Please communicate. I mean, that, that, I think that'd be the best way to put it. That's a great, great way to end it. Uh, Jeremy, what's the best way if somebody wants to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn or, or others, how do I, they want to, uh, to connect with you? What's the best way to do that? Um, absolutely. LinkedIn. And we can go from there. Cool. Sounds good. Jeremy, I had a blast. I learned a ton and, um, I wish you the best of luck in, uh, in, in what you're up to and, and uh, keep focusing on the employee and the customer. Sounds good, Nick. I really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to talk again, you just let me know. Will do. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press one for forward slash podcast. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.